Let us pray. Gracious Father, draw near this day. Fill our hearts and our minds with your spirit, that your word would be planted deep within, that we would be changed and transformed, that our thoughts, our actions, and our desires would be in accord with who you are, Father, because of what Jesus has done for us. And it is through him that we do ask this. Amen. So let me tell you the story about two pastors. These two pastors had phenomenal ministries. They had faithfully proclaimed the word of God. And in that faithful proclamation, thousands upon thousands upon thousands had come to faith and repentance. They had seen pinnacles. They had seen heights that we could barely imagine in God working and His Spirit being poured out to draw people to Himself. And yet, after much ministry, after many blessed times, they both found themselves in a place that they didn't want to be. They found themselves in a place of despair. They found themselves coming to the end of their wits at seeing what God was doing. And they both wanted to die. They both were ready to die because of where they found themselves. But the reason for that desire to die are completely different for, for each of these pastors, for each of these ministers. Just so you know, I'm talking about Jonah and Paul. These two men saw thousands of people convert under them, under their ministries, under their faithful proclamation of the Word of God, and yet both of them wanted to die in light of that. But Jonah, for one reason, and Paul for another. You see, Jonah didn't want people to convert in Nineveh. Jonah was against them being coming believers in Yahweh. The entire book of Jonah is about him avoiding God's call on his life. In the first chapter, God calls to Jonah, go up to Nineveh. And Jonah says, I'm going to go out to Tarshish. And he runs and he flees. In that fleeing, he gets eaten by a fish, by a great fish. And then eventually he repents and says, I'll do what you want me to do, O Lord. And he gets spat up on a beach and he then walks to Nineveh. He gets to Nineveh. And here's what he says. Forty days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was his message. Forty days and Nineveh will be destroyed. He sounds committed to his gospel proclamation, doesn't he? But guess what? Even those words, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the people heard, the king heard, and they repented in sackcloth and ashes. He proclaimed multiple days of fasting and prayer that Yahweh would relent from coming and destroying them. And the people turned from their wickedness in that generation, and they turned to Yahweh, and Yahweh relented from coming and destroying them. And what did Jonah do? He got mad and he left the city. He got upset. He got angry that God would be gracious. In fact, he says that was the whole reason for him fleeing. It wasn't because he was scared of the Ninevites. It wasn't because the Ninevites were necessarily the enemies of Yahweh's people. But he knew that if he went and preached that God was going to come and destroy Nineveh, the people would repent. He knew they would be scared and that they would turn to Yahweh. 
And if they turn to Yahweh and ask for forgiveness, he would forgive them because Yahweh is a gracious God and merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knows this truth because guess what? The people he was ministering to, the northern kingdom of Israel, were wicked people. And yet God was still blessing them and caring for them because there was a remnant there. There were people there in the midst of Israel who still trusted in Yahweh. God had blessed them so greatly that they had actually grown back to their original borders in the north. They had pushed back against the Assyrians and regained some of their land that they had lost in previous battles and in previous wars. Their boundaries had been fully expanded and God was blessing the kingdom of Israel, though they were faithless, though they were worshiping idols for the most part all the time, God was still kind and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and commitment to his covenant toward his people. That is what God does. And Jonah was angry that God was doing that because there was no covenant with Nineveh. There was no reason for God to be gracious to them except for the fact that God is a gracious God. He's merciful. He looks with pity on the hearts of men who are lost in their sins. And Jonah got angry that God would relent from destroying the city. And he looks at God in his anger and says, Lord, it's better for me to die right now. I don't want to see these people saved. I don't want to see these people repent. I want to die right here, right now. Because I'm so mad at you, God, for being gracious. And what does the Lord say? Do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? Is this something to get upset at me being gracious? Because if I'm not gracious, what's it going to do for you? If I'm not gracious, then you're just as bad off as the Ninevites would be. You would be lost and condemned and separated from my gracious presence if I'm not merciful toward even you, Jonah. Do you do well to be angry? And the rest of the story is about God making a plant grow up to give Jonah comfort. And then God causes that plant to die. He appoints a worm that comes and eats the plant and cuts it down. And Jonah becomes so angry about that plant. It's better for me to die than live, he says. He's so wrapped up in just dying because he's so angry with God for the way things are turning out. And God confronts him. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah's like, yeah. I have a right to be mad right now. I have a right to be so angry, I'm angry enough to just die. And then God just hits him. You pity the plant that you didn't do anything for. Shouldn't I pity the people of Nineveh, that great city in which there are 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? I love the end of this, this book. And also much cattle. God is concerned about creation itself. He's concerned about the care of the people's animals as much as the people in this case. This is a great city that was full of wickedness that turned from their wicked ways to God, and Jonah was so mad he wanted to die because of it. He wanted God to let him just die. Why? Because God was gracious. God was kind. God was merciful. On the other side of the spectrum of pastors who want to die... We have Paul, a man who is in prison right now as he's writing his epistle to the Philippians. One of his prison epistles, written sometime in the early 60s, we think. 
And there is Paul in a Roman prison. This is probably his first imprisonment that's talked about in the book of Acts, where he wanted to go to Caesar. He wanted to go have a court date with Caesar because of the accusations against him in Jerusalem. Because he was a full Roman citizen, he had rights to appeal to Caesar when he was about to be harmed because of his personal views, because of his religious views that went against the Jews there in Jerusalem. And so he's been traveling and traveling and went through all kinds of harrowing dangers in his imprisonment, and finally he's sitting in a Roman prison, waiting for his day in court, waiting to see Caesar. And he writes various letters to various places, and one of them is the letter to the Philippians that we have today, one of his most joyful letters, in fact. This letter is just brimming with joy and excitement from Paul, despite him being in prison. And here Paul kicks off, we kick off with Paul in verse 21, where Paul says, For, me, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which... I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, that is to die and be with Christ. For that is far better. Paul sees something in his death, that if he dies, he leaves this world, and he gets to be in Christ's presence, finally, in his full, gracious presence. Paul, the persecuting Pharisee, has come to a place where he wants to be with Jesus. He was converted and went on missionary journeys. He's been all over the world at this point and seen countless conversions. And here he finds himself in prison waiting for a day in court. And he says, it's better for me to die so I can be with the Lord. That's the better choice. That's the best thing in the world is to die at this point. The reason he wants to die isn't because he's angry with God, but because he loves Jesus so much. He's ready for his death no matter what. He's ready to step out of this world and enter into the Lord's full and gracious presence. He's hard-pressed between deciding whether he wants to keep on living or if he's ready to just give up and die in prison. But see, the basis of that is simply out of love of Jesus. He's ready to meet his maker. He's ready to step beyond the veil. He's ready to enter into that heavenly tabernacle that's not made with hands to stand before Jesus and receive Jesus' full presence. That's radically different from Jonah. Jonah wanted to die because God was gracious. Paul is ready to die because God is gracious. Because he knows that without God's grace, he can't be saved. That he is the chief of sinners, he'll go on to say a few years after this letter was written. He's the chief of sinners because he persecuted the church. He pursued God's people. He tried to destroy God's people. And here, he knows God's grace. He knows his mercy. And he knows that God is going to take care of him. Earlier in the letter, he says that, I am sure of this, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is certain and confident and sure of God's grace, that it's going to work, that no matter what he does, it's all going to be worked into God's plans and God's actions and God's ways, that God can use all of it to bring it together, to make it work together for good for those who love God and love Jesus. But see, Paul doesn't die in prison. Paul chooses to remain alive. 
Jonah was ready to die, and he just wanted to die. He was ready to just die. He didn't want to live anymore. But Paul says, to remain in the flesh is more necessary. To remain alive is more necessary. There's fruitful work for me to still do, and to remain is necessary for you. Paul is ready to die in order to go and be in God's gracious presence, to be in Jesus' presence. He's ready to die because he knows his God is gracious and merciful and compassionate and abounding in steadfast love and covenant faithfulness. But he also knows that it's better for him, more necessary for him, to remain in the flesh so that he can go to the Philippians once more, so that he can carry on his ministry because his ministry isn't over yet. He desires to keep living in order to serve, to be a blessing, to draw near to others. Because as he said in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. He wants to live because of Christ. He wants to die because of Christ. His whole reason for being is to be in Christ, to be united to him by the Spirit and by his presence through Paul's faith. Jesus is in him and he is in Jesus. And so to live is Christ. To live is to pursue Christ. To live is to be with Christ. To live is to live in his gracious presence that we don't always sense or feel the fullness of until we die. But we know he's here with us because of the promises that God has given us. And so Paul says, it's better, it's more necessary for me to remain on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy and faith. He knows that for him to remain is to lead others, to grow others, to help others mature and discover more about Jesus. What a beautiful witness Paul gives here. Someone who is so committed to Jesus that he's ready to serve. But that serving isn't something that Paul just made up. That serving flows out of the very life of who Jesus is. Over in chapter 2 that we'll be getting to in the weeks to come, Paul tells us about how Jesus is the ultimate servant. That Jesus is the one who chose to be humbled in order to die. And that through that he was then raised again. And is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus humbled himself from glory to come to this earth to serve and to die for the world. Paul has been so changed by who Jesus is that that is where Paul is now. Paul is ready to serve to his last breath the people of God. He's ready to serve and bring forth the Spirit through the Word, to tell others of Jesus, to help others grow in Jesus, to bring the faith to them. Paul has tasted and known that the Lord is good. He's laid hold of God's mercy and God's greatness. And Paul has been transformed. He's been changed. He's been dragged away from what he used to be into the apostle to the Gentiles who's ready to do whatever it takes to make Jesus known to those around him. He has fruitful labor ahead of him and it's all based on a response to what Jesus has done. Jesus is the foundation of everything because to live is Christ. To live is Christ for Paul. To live as Christ is our calling as well. To know and to recognize that we are in Christ fully and completely. That he has called us to himself and that we respond in faith and live in Christ. 
that we cry out with Paul for me to live is Christ. And so Paul pursues Jesus in everything he does and likewise we are called to pursue Jesus in everything that we do as we rest in the places that God has placed us, as we rest in the vocations he has put us in and placed us in, those relationships with other people, letting the Spirit work through us to reach out to those people, filling our words with himself so that they can in some way know Jesus as we labor in the vineyard where God has placed us. Again, our gospel reading today, that's the very point of it, that God is merciful. God is good. God gives out of his graciousness. And see, these workers were acting like Jonah at the end, these first day, first hour workers. They had agreed to do what the master wanted, but then at the end of the day, when they saw him be gracious to everyone else, they were like, don't we get more? Aren't we going to get something else? One of the things that I love is that when the master replies and is like, friend, really that's a confrontational word for friend. It kind of be the equivalent of us saying, hey, pal, or buddy, listen here. The master looks at this servant, this guy that he hired, and is like, I'm not doing anything wrong here. You agreed to a denarius. Take what belongs to you. I choose to be gracious. I choose to give as I want to give. And he says, or do you begrudge my generosity? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Because that's what that means, begrudge. They're being envious and jealous of the fact that he can just give goodness to these other people who didn't work the whole day. God is merciful. He's not fair to us. If God was perfectly fair we would never hear the gospel. He would let us remain in our sins. He would judge us and condemn us for our sins if he was fair to us. But instead, he chooses to be gracious, to be compassionate, to be steadfast in his love, to be unwavering toward us and coming to us. And so we can respond like Jonah and be angry that God is gracious to other people to people we don't think deserve it because we're not taking the time to recognize how we don't deserve God's graciousness. Because if we say someone else doesn't deserve God's grace, then we're saying we've earned God's grace. God has forgiven us just as much as he forgives others. Those workers were envious of the master's generosity. Jonah in some way had become envious of God's generosity because he didn't want those people to know of the salvation, the forgiveness, the grace, the compassion of Yahweh. Paul leaned into God's generosity. He leaned every fiber of his being into Jesus so that he wouldn't be envious. He rejoiced. He took joy in seeing laborers who only worked an hour People who showed up at the last minute receiving the fullness of God's grace, receiving the fullness of a full day's wages. He rejoiced in all of that, and he wanted to keep working with everyone that he could bring to Jesus to draw them nearer to Jesus, to send them forth to do what Jesus had called them to do. And that is our calling today, is to hear Paul's words, for to me to live is Christ. And yes, to die is gain, but it is more necessary for me to remain here in the flesh and pursue the fruitful labor that the Lord has placed before me. 
We have fruitful labor ahead of us, brothers and sisters. We are called to serve the Lord where we are, to make his grace, to make his steadfast love known. We're called to walk the path that Jesus walked because Jesus is with us. Jesus has empowered us. Jesus has filled us that we can walk this path of servanthood, that we can walk this path of compassion and forgiveness and mercy because we know Jesus is a forgiving, merciful God to us. And so we can respond in the same way to others, offering them that very forgiveness, that very life that Jesus has given to us. And we know that Jesus will act as we offer. As we make him known, he will act in his way through his spirit and his timing. Our call is to be faithful to that acting, to be faithful and trusting in what Christ has done for us that is for others too. Paul desired to continue to be a blessing to those around him because Christ had been a blessing to him and Christ was going to bless others through him. And so likewise for us, let us desire, may we desire and be filled with the Spirit in such a way that we receive the blessing of Jesus and that we let that blessing that Jesus has given to us flow through us to become Jesus' blessing for others by our hand, by our mercy, by our generosity, by our faithfulness. Because Jesus is perfectly faithful for us that we might strive toward faith and trust in him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.